children. Amen? You may be seated. everyone. All right. Good to see you guys. Glad that uh, some of you have made it this morning. Uh, I know out there on Facebook, you probably said, boy, this is a morning for me to sit in, in my pajamas, no makeup on, chill back in the, in the, in the couch and just turn on the computer if you'd like to and uh, kind of join us because you know when you're getting older is when you go to bed at 8.45, the old time, to make sure that you don't, um, don't lose that hour of sleep. And I know that if I start to lose just a couple of hours, I can't get it back like I used to when I was younger. So I was wiser last night to do so, and I have my cup of coffee as well. So I'm glad that you guys are here. So it's good to see that there are some people in the building, even though I can't really see you because it's so bright up here. Okay. All right, so we are now in our last week of dangerous prayers. We have gone through the last couple of weeks trying to look at ourselves, commonly speaking, that we would say, oh, you know, when I pray, I pray for someone. But this particular prayer series has been to say, God, look at me, look inside of me, try to change me, give me a different perspective, open my eyes. Help me to see that I can be the one that you would have me to be as your child. I mean, the first week we said, speak for your servant listens. And that was through the life of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And then we went and said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then we went into uh, the idea of break me. God, we need you to break us so that we could be useful for your kingdom. And we said last week, send me. I'm available at any time, anywhere, any place, anyhow, I'm available. Well, today we're going to continue and finish our dangerous prayer series with Make Me Bold. Make Me Bold. Um, and I think that that's something that, um, that we would have to see. Guys, I'm going to need my presentation. Um, so we need to make me bold. Um, and that's, that's important for us right now. We need to see that God is at work in our midst. So I ask the question, what are the characteristics of a bold person? Well, I looked at, um, you know, an article that was a person who's not a Christian. And when um, I looked at this, I was moved the nine ways, but I'm not going to share the nine ways with you. I just want to share a couple of them, and I want to share with you what this person said. So the one that stood out for me was bold people take action and are honest. Bold people take action and are honest. See, he said being honest with yourself is the first part of it. Acknowledging your flaws Recognizing your weaknesses, that takes true boldness to do. Secondly, being honest with those in your life, what you do or you think and feel about them. So I can think of circumstances in my own life, he said, where I had to tell people things that I knew they would not like. Nonetheless, as a bold person, 
You have to be honest, otherwise you're deceiving yourself and you're deceiving others, which doesn't ultimately lead to a happiest life. Now, this is a guy who's not a Christian. This is a person who said, I'm going to deceive others. Usually in the world, when you're walking and you're not convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, you really don't care about whether you're deceiving someone or not, as long as you don't deceive yourself. But this person had some kind of sense of conviction. He even said, he goes, bold people stand by their convictions. He says, bold people will, even if there's a crowd of people against them, they'll still stand in their convictions. By no means does this mean not being open to what others have to say and reconsidering your beliefs of occasions. So, again, the idea is that we have to see that this man is talking about, who's not a Christian, about having conviction. I mean, is being bold a bad thing? Uh, it can be. Being bold, is a, it can be a bad thing. But do we, do, we, do we see that, as he said, he goes, being, being bold is only a bad thing when you're not being deliberate. Lots of people think being bold involves being completely dangerous. He goes on, acting without any thought and reasoning before making their choices. There's a difference between being bold and being stupid. Now, what I mean, what I think what he's trying to say is that if you're an introvert and you're quiet and you're safe and you don't want to talk about things that are not safe, you're going to stay quiet and you're going to say, you know what, um, I'm cool here. I'm in this position, in this posture. I'm good. But if you're a person who has more of a bold personality, a confrontational personality, one who is aggressive, one who likes to tell people, uh, that's not really being bold. That could be stupid. Um, because what happens is you'll just be reactive. You'll just share whatever you want to share. And what happens is then you say things you really shouldn't say. And sometimes people will mistake in boldness with personality. And that's not what the scriptures talks about. When we look at some of the scriptures and we look at certain personalities of apostles and teachers and, and prophets from the scriptures, we got to say, oh, that person was bold. They spoke with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not true. I have seen people throughout my life who are introverted who spoke boldly, who spoke boldly to me, who are spoke boldly to others. And I'm like, wow, that's not their nature, but they did. And so we have to understand it can be a bad thing when we become critical or we become opinionated and we think we have to put people in their place. That could be trouble and dangerous. And so it's important to understand. Then I read another article that says, how do we become bold for Jesus Christ? I asked that question. How do we become bold for Jesus Christ? And this is what a person said uh, from Desiring God, the article, uh, John Bloom. He said, how badly do we want it as Christians? Do we want it enough to ask, seek, knock until God answers us and to take risks that press on our timidity? Or if we're honest, would we rather just keep wishing we were bolder, admiring bold people, being inspired by biographies about bold people, talking with our friends and small group members about struggles with the fear of man, all the while staying where we feel safe and relatively comfortable and letting fear go unchallenged? That's what it's going to take. We have to ask those questions. Because in our American world, and our Western mindset, we like to be safe, comfortable, convenient with complacency. 
And when Christianity comes in and God is challenging us, we kind of just kind of just kick back and say, nah, I, I like my couch and I like being safe. I like making safe decisions. I'd like to know which decision I'm going to make. I like to look at everything before I make a decision. That could be a wise person, but sometimes we can lean on that too much, that we're afraid to believe that God would even allow us to be bold because we see boldness as stupidity <laughs> rather than being led by God. And that's why it's important for us to understand that it can't be personality driven. When we look and we have decided whether to be bold means to change our posture toward God. We need to see some of the apostles were bold after the resurrection of Christ. When we look at the beginning of the established church, we read this narrative of these men of God who were men of courage, conviction, urgency, and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. These are necessary components for true Christian boldness. So the apostles, it wasn't that they, their personality was that. It was that they were in tune with the Spirit of God, empowered, engaged, experiencing God's presence and being willing to speak when God calls them to do that. See, that's what it takes. And so when we look at a couple of these, we have to see that First of all, it's like Peter. Peter, you know, when he was a man who was full of conviction, full of courage, full of urgency, it was because truly he was empowered by the Spirit of God. But Peter, when he did this, when he was bold, when God made him bold to speak out against the officials in front of him, Peter found himself in, in, in bad places. He found himself arrested. Here are some episodes in which Peter was arrested. What was he arrested for? One, he was arrested for the proclamation of the gospel. That's all he was, just to proclaim Christ. I mean, if we look at it and see it in Acts 4, 1 through 3, it, we'll see that he, it says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they were arrested. They arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So here was a situation where Peter proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was arrested. We have to understand now, when it says that they came upon them, it was an aggressive posture from the leaders of the temple. And 10 out of 12 times, excuse me, 10 out of 10 times, excuse me, in the New Testament, in Luke, in Acts, he references this. Luke is writing, and he references this phrase, came upon them, because they were intentional. They were confrontational. They didn't want the apostles to speak about Jesus. They made sure they contained it and controlled it. Because their responsibility was to make sure that this wouldn't happen. See, the captain of the temple was a member of the high priestly family and a number two man in the temple. An elite position among the Levites who made up the temple guard. He officiated over the daily whole offering and was a captain of the police. So whose role was primarily to keep peace and not allowing people of messianic expectation to come in because Rome would be displeased with that. So here was their duty to make sure. 
And they were concerned too, as mentioned in John chapter 11, 47 through 48, that they were concerned, the religious leaders were concerned about Jesus speaking about himself being the son of God and deity because then Rome wouldn't like it and they would lose the people and the Jews would not be pleased. So they were concerned about making sure everybody was happy. So they continued to tell Jesus and confronted him and questioned him. And now Peter and John, the apostles setting up the church, proclaiming Christ, they had to do the same. Secondly, we found that others' jealousy is why he was arrested. Others' jealousy, Acts 5, 17 through 18, it says this, But the high priest rose up, and all were with him. That is the party of the Sadducees. And filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. So here he was arrested. The people were concerned because they didn't want this liar or lunatic of a person named Jesus to influence the Jews from getting away from Judaism. And then the last thing that we see, Peter was arrested for his Christianity. I mean, he even had to see that his brother James had to be beheaded and killed because he was part of the, the, the church of Jerusalem. And here was as we would see in chapter 12, that Herod had him killed. Because Herod, when he saw it, he pleased the Jews. He proceeded to arrest Peter also. And this was the days of the unleavened bread. So it pleased the Jews. And we know that Herod Grippa I was the grandson of King Herod, of the one that when Jesus was a child. So he saw that. And the movement throughout Jerusalem that they were after Christians. And the persecution was heavy. But they were bold. Bold by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not bold by their character or bold by their personality. But bold by the Spirit of God. You know, we have to understand too with persecution today, some statistics show that 322 Christians are killed every month in third world countries. They say 214 churches are just ravished and destroyed because countries don't want to see the influence. They know that it will happen. They know that when the spirit of the living God will fall on God's people and they start to do what he's called them to do and to be bold, that things will start to change. And so they're concerned about the influence. So persecution is happening all around third world countries, and it's slowly happening here in the United States. We're seeing just the beginning start of it, like just the beginning uh, pains of it. We're going to see it happening more often. But we have to realize that it's happening. And so should Christians be this bold today? Should they be as bold as the first century? Should they be available to God, ready to be moved with courage and conviction, saying, God, here I am. I am in tune with the Spirit, ready to speak when you want me to. Or do we just stay safe? Or do we sit back, comfortable, not ruffling up the feathers of anyone, making sure everyone's happy. For goodness sake, churches are acting like this. We're afraid to be bold amongst each other because we're afraid that people are going to leave the church. We're afraid that people are not going to come in and sit down and be in a building anymore because it's convenient just to watch it online. I mean, we've got to realize that coming together as a people of God will strengthen us. We'll be able to commune and connect because that's what we were created for. But God is calling us all to do this, and we, we need to be challenged. So praying, make me bold, should hopefully help us be encouraged to move forward, to be available for the kingdom of God. 
So here are just a couple of things when we ask, we ask the question, and we're going to make the statement, praying, making me bold, will give us. What will it give us? Well, number one, I believe it'll give us an unexplainable confidence to speak in conflict. Now, notice I didn't say in a comfortable state. <laughs> notice I didn't say in your complacency or in my complacency. Notice that we can say that, you know, we're just hoping everything will be safe. No, in conflict. In fact, we would expect that if we're saying, God, make me bold, conflict is coming. And here we see that with Peter, he is bold, but he's not bold in his character. Watch what it says here in Acts 4, 8 through 12, as the leadership questions them, by what name will you speak? So here's Peter's response. By the power of the Holy Spirit, it says he's filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and said to them, rulers of the people and the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, I mean, this is bold, whom you crucified, he's calling them out, whom God raised from the dead, let this man is standing before you well. This is Jesus, is the stone that you, re you rejected, that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. See, what he's proclaiming is that Jesus is God. I mean, just at the time when Jesus was walking the earth, this is just shortly after, and they're still proclaiming Jesus to be God. And today, you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Spirit. He lives in us. He resides in us. And by any moment, any time when we're in tune with the Spirit, God gives us the boldness to speak, to speak and proclaim Jesus, unless we want to be saved, unless we don't want to ruffle the feathers of our neighbors. Unless we want to ruffle the feathers of our people at work, afraid that we might get, well, potentially fired for it. Afraid that if we do that, they're going to shut us off because we're proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. It's just an option. I don't really have to do it. Only if I have time to do it. And if I have time to do it, I may slip it in. If not, I'll keep everything safe. See, being bold and saying, God, make me bold, it's going to invite conflict. It's going to invite conflict. It's never comfortable. I recall many times with my family members, I mean, it always does. It always invites conflict around my family members because they're primarily Catholic. And I can just rest assured you, tell you of all these stories, but I recall the story when I was in Italy in 1993, sitting on the steps where my mother and father at the church where they were married and they grew up in, in our hometown, and they had Australians who were visiting at the time, we had Americans who were visiting at the time, we're all sitting there talking, and I didn't have to invite it because they asked me, what in the world are you doing? There's, you know, your mom is really discouraged that you're walking as a Christian in the Christian way. You've left the church. And I got to tell you something, when you're in Italy and Catholicism is heavy in the family and in the tradition, um, they're coming at me. <laughs> they're, not, they're not holding back. Um, you know, they're pulling out their guns and like, ta -ta 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 -ta. they're coming at me. And so I have to hold up and put on a bulletproof vest because they're, they're hitting me hard and I'm putting on a helmet because they're attacking me. And they're attacking me and putting me down and beating me up and I'm just sitting there. Like one of those pieces of paper while a guy's just shooting at it and putting bullets in all around the targets. And I'm just sitting there plummeted 
by these Australians and these Americans and some who were Italians there. I walk away that night and I remember the day and how I felt and how I felt that day and that evening. And I just walked away and I said, wow, Lord, why did you allow that to happen? How, why couldn't I have been stronger and kind of just spoken with boldness? He said, son, you just got a smidge of what the first century went through. Just a smidge, like a dust particle. <laughs> because I didn't even get it compared to what they had to go through. All of the struggle that they had to, the conflict because, as I said earlier, it's not derived from a certain personality, but a certain power. And when the spirit of the living God falls on us, we have to be ready to speak. We've got to be ready to listen. But it's a dangerous prayer. Make me bold. What does that mean? For a teenager, it means you might have to speak up around your friends. No, you won't be popular. No, they won't invite you to your parties. No, they won't even consider you. And I know that the peer pressure, you want to be accepted. You want everybody to like you. You want everybody to call your name. Say my name, say my name. You know, and you're going to sit there and you go back and forth. But we adults struggle with the same thing. We go to work and we don't want anybody to make fun of us. We don't want anybody to call out on us and say, he's a Christian. She's a Christian. They're all praying. I remember growing up in a golf course and a guy would sit there. I won't say his name, but he would sit there and walk with a little Bible. And he would walk around and everybody made fun of him. Everybody, even including me, I used to make fun of all the Christians. I would call them Jesus freaks, and I'd use a word before that, but I can't say that today. So it's all that. I would just call them out, and we'd laugh and make fun of them, and he would just keep smiling. We're like, this dork, he's smiling. Why is he smiling? There's nothing to smile about. Here I stand before you as a Christian, looking back and saying, wow, if I would only have known then what I know now. That's the beauty of God. That's the beauty of God because it's a power that moves us in that way. And I think that that's what it's going to take. So praying, make me bold, will even give us, secondly, an unbelievable courage. An unbelievable courage. Uh, to engage in impossible circumstances. An unbelievable courage. And conflict whether it's conflict or not, God gives us the courage to be able to withstand it. You know, when you look back at Acts chapter 4, verse 4, just a couple of verses prior to this section, after they were arrested, it says, but many of those who heard the word believed, and a number of men came to about 5,000. So here in the midst of conflict, when that God made them bold, something miraculous happened. God saved many people. So sometimes it takes this unbelievable courage that God gives us to speak in impossible circumstances. Because they spoke against the leadership and God did an amazing work. And he saved 5,000 people. In fact, when, the midst, when we invite God to make us bold in the midst of conflict, God could actually start a revival. What a great opportunity for us right now. In the midst of coming out of COVID, how we can now say, God, please use us to see a revival happen. But we've got to pray that prayer. God, make me bold. Let me speak. We're the only people they are going to see not only Jesus, but hear from about Jesus. We have to be the ones to speak. Yes, it's difficult, it's challenging, but it's conflict. And we know even in Acts 8, 1, we saw that where there was persecution, the church of Jerusalem spread out from regions of Judea and Samaria. 
And even in Acts eleven nineteen, it said because of the persecution, it spread out even further to Antioch. So even in conflict and persecution and difficulty, when we say, God, make me bolder, God can do miraculous things. Paul even said, chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, I read to you, I want you to know, brothers, that what was happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, being in prison, so that it become known throughout the whole imperial guard that to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of my brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are so much more bold to speak without fear. So we want God to bring conflict so that revivals can happen and lives can change. Difficult as it may be, that's the way we'll see the spirit of the living God move in a mighty way. That's why we see as this narrative continues, Acts 4, 13 and 14, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, who were these that saw it? The leaders of the temple, the ones who led people to follow Judaism, and perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. They were marveled. They were moved because of their boldness. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them had nothing to say in opposition. See, here's the impossible circumstance. As we see that this whole narrative is back in chapter 3, the impossible circumstance is that here is Peter and John walking towards the temple to pray around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's a lame man sitting on the side. Every day you see this lame man sitting on the side. You don't even pay attention. You're not going to look at him. You're even tired of hearing him saying, money, 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 and you're like, go get a job. So you always sit here, and you're talking, you're talking, you're walking by. All of a sudden, one day, Peter just says, it says that Peter fixed his eyes, gazed on the man sitting there, Intently, the Greek says, intently. And after he does so, the man's asking for money. But Peter and John, who are apostles, they're not going to give money. They don't have it. So what can they give to this man? He said, silver and gold I do not have, but get up in the name of Jesus. And he offers him Jesus, and he heals him. God heals him through these men of Peter and John. And he walks. So he gives them the freedom to walk again. But not only that, he gives them the freedom to be set free from sin, of which all of you and I have. And when we do, we can share the gospel with such boldness. But he was willing to engage. He was willing to say at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, look upon this man. And he did. And his life has changed forever. How many of us, if we could just be used of God to be bold, to say, God, make me bold, and hear of all this that God's going to do, that even our opposition will say, wow, I'm amazed. God has changed. See, I can recall, I know if I go back and hang out with some of my friends from before Christ, they'll be like, I heard you were a pastor, but wow, Bruno, you've really changed. Because they know what I used to do. They know what I used to say. They know how I lived. (laughs) And they realize this dude has changed. Yo, dude, you changed. I've heard some of that. And they just start saying when they're cursing in front of me, oh, sorry. I'm like, no, you got to answer the same God that I have to answer to. So if you're cursing, you got to talk to God about that. Because they're afraid because of the changed life. But they don't realize I'm struggling with sin too. And I tell them that. And I tell them about Jesus. Yeah, they kind of push me off, but I tell them, because that's what we're called to do. 
And so God has saved this man, and in the impossible situation comes even with the circumstance, is these are uneducated men. From, they're uneducated in the rabbinical schools and in the no formal training in the Old Testament. And these were common men who decided to debate with scholarly men who can debate lawyers. And here they're willing to debate. Now, if I were to line these guys up, I'm saying, no, I won't pick you. 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 And sure enough, not you. Do you stink? You smell? You're a fisherman. I don't want you. You would never make a good little representation for Christ. But here was God saying, these are the kind of men I want, willing to be used for my glory. To stand up. To speak. The impossible thing was, how could an uneducated man speak and debate with a person who's scholarly and schooled and trained? Only God can do that. And not only that, stop them in their tracks. Make them speechless. <laughs> I love what this commentary said when it says, the irony can scarcely be missed. The accused spoke. I mean, he just, he spoke with utter boldness and freedom. And their accusers sat in stony silence. Just love it. Because that's what can happen. God could even have your accusers be silenced. So God is calling each one of us with courage. He can give it to us in impossible circumstances. Number three. Praying, making me bold will give us undeniable evidence in deniable controversies. You know, when you're looking at Acts 4.16, it says what they were saying, the leaders, what shall we do with these men? They're speechless. They don't know what to do. I mean, it goes on to say this. It says, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. See, the word performed is in the perfect tense, which means they were convinced it happened. They were convinced that the notable sign, which is a known miracle, happened, but they couldn't do anything about it, and they didn't know what to do because they knew if they promoted it, then Judaism and Rome and all the Jews would come at it and saying, how dare you say that Judaism no longer is the way to find God? And so here they couldn't, actually say we agree so they're trying to come up with some kind of controversy to say this couldn't happen i saw that man that man wasn't lame he was just sitting there he was looking for money he was just trying to get money but here they knew he was a lame man sitting there at the temple and here they said we can't do anything we have to deny in fact the word evident means evidence that's what it means in the greek it means to readily be known evidence you can't deny it can you imagine if God were to change our lives in such a way that people say, nah, dude, I know you changed because I know what you used to be like and I see you different now. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to see not only in the people of God, but what we would see with our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members where God would do that work. If we would just say, God, use me. All we have to do is say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, make me bold. Here I am, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, how can I make a difference for you? You guys, you, you all know, we all know we have coworkers that we can reach. But how many of us are praying, make me bold around my coworkers? Raise your hand. I want to raise my hand. I want to raise my hand. I'm like, and it goes down because I'm not doing it myself. Most of the time I'm saying, hey, neighbor, hey, neighbor, 
have no time for you right now. Hope you're doing well. Got to go. Bye. Hey, coworker. Hello. How you doing? How's it going? Good. Oh, you're doing, you're not doing well? Sorry. I got to go back to work. We have to be intentional. We have to be willing to say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Make me bold. Because that's where they were willing. It wasn't their personality. It wasn't their character. It was their willingness to be used of God. And that was an undeniable thing because life changed. The man stood before them. They couldn't deny it. Even when Jesus was just being, when he was going through resurrection, after the resurrection, they, they tried to question it. Oh, well, they hid the body. Oh, it's somewhere else. Oh, it was, it, it, they hid the body. They're trying to make this all up. There's no way that he could be resurrected. He's not God. He was a liar and a lunatic. And here they were doing all that. And see, even, even Peter and John said, listen, you know, um, I'm going to be honest with you here. The answer is saying, whether it is right in the sight of God or to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. Meaning, I'm going to keep speaking. You can't tell me. They said, well, you need to keep this down. They threatened them. And they said, you can't speak anymore. Like, no, we're going to keep speaking. We're going to keep speaking because in verse 20, it says, for we cannot but speak for what we have seen and heard. So what we see and what we hear, we have to share. We see evidence of life change. We see the evidence of life change in us. and We've got to share it. We've got to be bold because we have the scriptures and God's called us to it. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, this isn't a fun, feel-good kind of message because it's challenging us this, to, to, to say this dangerous prayer, make me bold. Because ultimately, when we have seen and heard what God has done, we must be bold to share it. That's what was going on here. They saw and they heard, they witnessed it, and God was saying, I want you to be used by me. I mean, lives are changed when that happens. Look at Acts 5, 19 and 20. And I'll just read verse 18 again, just to remind us. They arrested the apostles and put them in a public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to all the people, all the words of life. And when they heard this, verse 21, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. When they heard, they heard from God, they heard from the angel, and they obeyed. So when we pray this prayer, make me bold, we have to be willing to obey when God says through our hearts, share the gospel with this person right now. It's just the willingness of doing so. Even in Acts 5, 29 and 32, we see a similar verse. But Peter and the apostles answered after they were questioning, don't speak anymore. He said, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. I mean, they keep calling him out. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses, seen and heard. We are witnesses to these things. So is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given you to those who obey him. So really what it comes down to is that when the Holy Spirit is the agent that reaches, reaches not only the lost, but also uses us to reach them and carries on the church throughout the book of Acts, he's the agent. The Holy Spirit is the one who speaks through God's people and gives them a word to speak, when to speak, and how to speak boldness. But it always is derived from a Christocentric message of the gospel. It's always centered on Christ, that Christ crucified, that he died on the cross and he forgave us from our sin. That's what it's going to take. And God's calling each one of us to do that, to be witnesses of it, 
to proclaim it, even when we don't feel it, even when it seems impossible, even when there are controversies, even when there's conflict, God is telling each one of us to do that. So when we pray this dangerous prayer, make me bold, what should we expect? Comfort? Convenience? Complacency? Don't mess up my schedule, Lord. Don't mess up my agenda. Don't mess up my, I've got my show at 8 o'clock, Lord. I've got my baseball game. I've got my basketball game. Lord, March Madness is coming. I've got to watch my games. God's saying, anytime, anywhere, because conflict is coming. Impossible circumstances will be coming. Deniable controversies are coming. We have to be willing to say, here I am, Lord, use me. David Platt wrote a book called Radical. It's a great book. I'm actually going to reread it um, this coming week. But I love a story that it shared that he was talking to a brother who was in Indonesia. He said, he goes, I met a Christian brother from Batak tribe of the northern Sumatra in Indonesia. He told me of a story how his tribe had come to know Christ. Years ago, a missionary couple had come to the village to share the gospel. The tribe was 100% Muslim. Talk about sheep in the middle of wolves. The tribal leaders captured this missionary couple, then murdered and cannibalized them. Years later, another crazy missionary, I put crazy in there, missionary came to their tribe and again began sharing the gospel. Kind of a person says, make me bold, Lord. The tribal leaders recognized that the story he told was exactly what the former couple had shared. This time, they decided to listen. After they listened, they believed within a short time, the entire tribe was converted to Christ. And this believer told me that today there are more than 3 million Christians among the Batak tribe of the northern Sumatra. He goes on to say, when I first heard this story, are you guys excited about that? Because I am. When I first heard this story, the immediate questions that came to my mind were, would I be willing for my wife and me to be that first missionary couple? Would I be willing to be killed and cannibalized so that those who come after me would see people come to Christ? Mic drop. That's what we have to be willing to do. We have to be willing to pray this dangerous prayer to say, Lord, make me bold. Because if it means that you're going to use me to lead more people to Christ, we have to find that devotion, that dedication, that willingness and commitment to say, God, I will live for you and die for you. Because that's what he's called for us to do, right? Dying to self doesn't just mean dying to self. It's willing to die for the sake of the kingdom of God. If we really preach that every week, I don't know if our chairs are going to be even more scarce. We have to be willing to be challenged. Persecution is around us. It's coming. Sometimes, and I watch my tongue in how I say this, sometimes I think we need just a little more persecution to light a little bit of fire behind us because I think we're just too comfortable and safe. I think we're too, it's just too convenient for us to be a Christian in America. What we see often throughout stories all over around the third world countries is more people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ because there are impossible circumstances that they're trusting God for. Yes, more people will die, 322 a month. But of the thousands that are dying, 
millions are coming to faith in Christ. Are we willing to see that happen? Jim Elliott did. Many others who are out there that we don't know about. That were willing to die for the, for the kingdom of God. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. Maybe it starts with praying out loud. <laughs> Maybe it starts with working with two-year-olds. Maybe it starts with sharing Christ, praying about sharing Christ with your neighbor. It's a challenge to all of us today. This isn't a feel-good sermon, but it's one that will challenge us to say, God, here I am, make me bold. Pray that today that would be our prayer. God, make me bold. But be careful. Here it comes. The challenge will come. But God will use it for his kingdom, for his glory. Let's pray. Father, I have to admit I don't know, and I, I'm with David Platt on this. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say me and my wife would be that missionary couple, the first one. But I have to be willing to say that. I have to be willing to say it and believe it, Lord. I have to be willing to say that I'm on the altar. And I'm afraid of that, Lord, I'll be honest. When I say make me bold, Lord, it could cause some serious conflict. I could be arrested. Any one of us could be arrested. Any one of us could be killed for the kingdom of God. But Lord, help us to realize that that's what you ultimately have called us to. Dying to self, even if it comes down to our own lives. So Lord, today, challenge us. Speak to us. Help us to understand. Build our faith. Draw us closer to you. It's a hard message. A dangerous prayer. God, may this create a revival in our church. May it create a revival for all the churches here in Southern Maryland. May it create a revival in the United States. May we stand up and speak boldly, not on politics, but on Jesus. Let's just put politics aside. We need to be grounded in Jesus. God, we're praying this prayer today with you, anticipating that it's going to get tough. We love you, Lord. We surrender our lives to you. We thank you in advance, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Make sure to pick up a 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting booklet. We would love for you to come alongside us. We're starting today. I hope that you will encourage yourselves to do that, to pray along with us and believe God in the coming weeks. God bless you. We'll see you soon.